I was going through some of my old sermons this week, looking for inspiration on our sermon to preach, and I came across one that really resonated with me, and it had to do with making a connection with God. And it really struck a chord with me because as a pastor, I I feel like I've worked really hard at getting people to read God's Word in a deep way, where they're really studying it and applying it to their lives and making sure that they're living the kind of life that God would want them to live. But I feel like I haven't placed as much emphasis on actually connecting people with God. And that's really what my role as a pastor should be. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in an episode coming out this week uh, about uh, really what a pastor should be and and what a pastor shouldn't be. Um, But I wanted to just kind of talk a little bit about that today, about what it means to connect with God and how many of us can reconnect with God in a very personal way. So the passage of scripture I'm going to use today is John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. And this takes place uh, as part of the conversation that Jesus has with his disciples just before he goes to be crucified. This is the Passover feast that they're sharing together when Jesus says this. So I'll start reading here in verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I like this imagery that Jesus gives us about branches connected to a vine, and that if we are all branches, that Jesus is that vine that we need to stay connected to. And he talks about how God the Father is the gardener. And the gardener does a process with the branches that isn't very pleasant. He prunes them, which means he cuts off every branch that isn't producing fruit. And anyone who has done pruning or works with plants knows that that is an essential step to take to cut off those dead branches so that the entire plant is more fruitful, and that the fruit it produces is better fruit. It's, it's not uh, small fruit. It's not, um, for lack of a better word, malnourished fruit. It's fruit that is good and ready to eat, because that plant is only going to get so many nutrients. And if those nutrients are spread out across the entire plant, that each and every a branch of that plant isn't going to be getting enough of those nutrients to produce good crop. And so the whole tree suffers for it. So what the gardener does is cuts those plants off, those those branches off, so that the remaining branches gets enough nutrients to produce good fruit. And that's the example that Jesus is using here. And that that's pro, that's part of the process 
of being connected with God is that God is going to do some pruning. And so if we want to stay connected with God, one of the things that that requires is letting him to do a work in us, letting him do some pruning in our own life, cutting off things that shouldn't be a part of our life. And that's important because the things that God wants to take out of our lives is the sin that disconnects us from God in the first place. And we can't really connect with God in our life if we have sin in our life that is separating us from God because God cannot be joined with sin. So when there is sin in our life, it separates us from Him and it can keep us from connecting with God in a very real way. And for some reason, when I think of that imagery as of, of sin holding us back from God, I think of that blow-up in, like inflatable game that's called Bungie Run. Or it's it's kind of like those inflatable jump houses, but it's not a jump house, it's a game. And in this game, you have a vest that you put on, and in the back of the vest is a, is a bungee cord that's tied to uh, the inflatable. And your goal is to take this uh, object in your hand that's got the Velcro on it, and to run as far down the path as you can to try to stick that little Velcro piece as far down the the line as you can go. And the whole time you're trying to run down, you get that bungee cord that's pulling on you. And the further you get, the tighter that bungee cord gets that prevents you from being able to make any progress. And that's kind of a, a silly illustration, but that's what I imagine sin doing in our life, where maybe we're having a hard time connecting with God because of a sin in our life that is holding us back and pulling us back from God. And in order for us to connect with God and to have our heart connect with God's heart, what we have to first do is open up our heart to God so that God can do a work in that heart, removing the sin that is preventing us from having a deeper relationship with Him in the first place. And we don't have to have all of the sin out of our life for God to do that work in us, because if we didn't have any sin, then there'd be no reason for God to do any work in us. But we're all imperfect. None of us is perfect. None of us are perfect. That's the correct grammar there. None of us are perfect. And and so what we do is we open up our heart to God, and God sees us. God sees us humble ourselves before Him, And he wants to come in and take out those things that are preventing us from having a deeper relationship with him. And they're things that are also destructive to our life that God wants to save us from. But we have to be willing to let him do that work to begin with. Otherwise, it's going to keep us from connecting with God. Jesus encountered a man that I think is... Uh, a lot like many Christians today. It's the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 18 who he approaches Jesus and talks about how he has followed every letter of the law up to that point, and he's done everything that he can do to be perfect. And he says, what else do you require of me to enter heaven? And Jesus says, if you want to be absolutely perfect, 
Well, first he praises him for following the law and putting that effort in, and then says, you know, if you want to be absolutely perfect, here's what you do. Take the wealth that you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And scripture tells us that that man left sad because of the great wealth that he had. So there you have someone who was doing everything that the word of God said. He was following the law down to the letter. But his heart wasn't fully committed to God because there was something else in his life that prevented him from following Jesus. And that one thing was all it took to prevent him from having, maybe he could have been one of a new, he could have been a new disciple of Jesus, one of the new 12 um, that, that was in that inner circle of people that Jesus taught. But we will never know because of that thing that was in his life that he was holding on to too strongly, that it was too important for him to give to God. And that made it um, an idol in his life. It became something that was more important to him than following Jesus. And so because he wasn't willing to give that to God, it prevented him from following Jesus, which was uh, more than a a one-in-a-lifetime opportunity because I'll go my whole lifetime without being able to actually follow the incarnation of God that is Jesus Christ. I'll never get that chance that he had. Um, So what an opportunity that was missed in his life. And I want to make sure that there's nothing in my life that is preventing me from following Jesus that same way. And that's something that we should all have a desire to do, is to let God take away from us anything that is in our life that is holding us back from that deeper relationship with God. We need to allow God to do some pruning in our heart. So let's go back to John 15 and continue where we left off at verse 5. Jesus, still talking, says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to, uh, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, in these verses, there's a word that keeps coming up again and again, and that is the word remain, that we remain in God, and that God and his word remains in us. And I got to thinking about what that means to remain in God, because that has to be key to us being able to reconnect with God in a new and fresh way is that we remain in Him. And I was thinking about the different things that that word could mean of what does it actually mean to remain in God. And I thought of a few different things, but one of the main ones I thought of was that if we remain in God, in order to do that, it requires us to have a good relationship with Him. 
And we would not be able to remain in God if we don't have a good relationship with him. And when I mean a good relationship with God, I don't mean just a knowledge of his teachings, right? It's not just being familiar with scripture. It's not just um, having a good memory of what the Bible says. Remaining in God is so much more than just remaining in the teachings of God. It's having a good relationship with God himself. There was a book that came out, a Christian book, that was called Not a Fan. And in this book, it highlights how a lot of Christians you know, just want to be a fan of God, but they're not really a follower of God. And there really is a difference between a fan of someone and a follower of someone, or even a friend of someone. If you're a celebrity or you're famous, you can have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of fans, people who know your name, people who know different things about you. But just because someone is a fan of you doesn't necessarily mean that they are a friend, someone that you have a strong friendship with. And there's, very, uh, there's a very big difference between those two things, between someone who's a fan and someone who is a friend. And we don't just want to be a fan of God. We want to let God be our friend, because that's something that God desires, is to have that relationship with us. Now, Scripture talks about Jesus being a friend that sticks closer than a brother, but he can only do that as long as we are allowing him to do so. We are allowing him to be a part of our lives and sharing our life with him. God wants to be our friend. He wants to have a relationship with him that goes beyond, goes so much deeper than just having a knowledge of his word. If I think about my relationship with my wife, before we were married and before we were even dating, I did what probably many of us have done before with someone we were interested in, and I looked her up on Facebook and stalked her posts. And I, I would, because I wanted to know more about her. So I looked her up on Facebook. I was reading her posts, going through her pictures. Um, I, I just wanted to know everything that I could about her. And now that we are married, it is so much more wonderful, so much more of a personal relationship with her, personal experiences that we share together than when I was just looking at her posts on Facebook. Those are two completely different things. I could read the words that she wrote, but that wasn't the same as walking through life together with her. And it's so crazy to me that we think that that doesn't apply in our relationship with God. That we think, well, as long as I just read the Bible that that means I have a good relationship with God. You know, I read God's words, and so I've, I've done my part. But God wants so much more than that. God doesn't just want us to read the words that he has written. He wants to speak to us directly on a personal level. And I, my wife would be so frustrated with me if I tried to keep our relationship now the way that it was then. If she came and wanted to, if something happened to her throughout the day and she came to me and was like, hey, Zach, I wanted to tell you about this thing that happened. And I said, whoa, 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 stop right there. I already read your Facebook post about it, so you don't have to tell me about it. 
that wouldn't be a very great response. Uh, she would feel dismissed. She would feel like I didn't care. Because just getting that information isn't enough. It's about her being able to share that experience with me. And that I take the time and listen to her. And that's what God wants with us. Now, that doesn't mean that we just stop reading his word. Because, you know, I've talked plenty about the importance of reading God's word and studying God's word. uh, Making sure we're spending time in the Bible. But what I'm warning about here is that we don't think that that's as far as our relationship with God should go. Because that's not really remaining in God. It's just following his teachings. And God wants a relationship with us that is so much more than just following his teaching. He wants to have a personal relationship with us. And so we need to make sure that we are seeking after God's face as much as we are studying his word. And that we should never let anything replace that personal connection with God. No amount of studying God's word, no amount of great theological knowledge can replace that personal relationship. And that's something that we should all maintain and and seek a deeper connection with when it comes to God, that deeper relationship. So let's finish out this passage, uh, verses 9 through 17. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So here we are given a command from Jesus. To love one another. And if we want to connect with God, that is a crucial theme that we can't overlook. In fact, it is one of the ways that we do connect with God, by going out and loving one another. And this connects us to God because this command that God gives stems from where his heart is. God has a heart for the people that are in the world. That's what we see in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his son up. He gave his son as a sacrifice to pay the price of the sin of each and every person in the world. God loves each and every person in the world. And so he not only calls us, but actually commands us, and not just once in this passage, but twice in this passage, commands us to love one another. 
And when we do that, we connect with God because we are acting in the way of that matches what God is acting in. God is reaching out to the people of the world. And so when we join with God in that work, it brings us into a closer relationship with him. But what we don't want to do is talk about how much we love God and how much we are followers of Christ and not do what God is desiring for us to do and what God himself is doing. After all, if you have a friend who is working on something, that is desiring something, passionate about something, and you aren't supporting them in what they're doing, you're not a very good friend. Imagine if that was you. Let's say that you were outside building a fence for your yard, and you had a friend over, and the whole time you were working on this fence, trying to finish it, trying to put it together, the whole time your friend is there talking about how much they like you and, and how you're such a good friend to them, and, and they just want you know, to support you and be there for you whenever you need them. You know, anytime you need anything, you just ask and I'll be there. And I just want to make you happy. I want to support you in your life. And the whole time you're working on the fence and they're not lifting a finger. They're just sitting there talking about how much they like you and want to support you. If that was me, I would get pretty frustrated after a while and say, well, you know, a great place to start would be helping me with what you see me doing right in front of you. And I have to imagine that sometimes God feels that way of he's got all these people, all these Christians throughout the world saying, God, we love you. Lord, we want to live according to your will. And they don't do anything to love one another they treat each other poorly, and they don't try to reach the people who don't know God yet. And the whole time, that is what God's mission is. God is reaching out to those who don't know him, calling them into a relationship with him. He's calling the people of his church to support one another. And that doesn't mean just being nice to each other all the time, right? That's not what real support is. It's not just being that friend who's saying, boy, I really like you and I want to support you. No, it's that friend that actually lifts his hands to work and helps you build the fence. Christians should be that same way with one another, where we don't just say, boy, I like coming here on Sunday morning and seeing you. No, it's actually well, what do you need? What can I be doing for you? How can I be praying for you? Is there anything going on in your life that you need help with? What is going on with your life? I want to share your life with you, and I want you to share in my life with me. That's the kind of support that God is desiring for the people of his church to give to one another. And when we do that, when we join him in the work that is on his heart, we will grow closer to God and have a deeper relationship with Him. But if we don't join God with that work, we don't do what God is commanding us to do, then it really is impossible to have a deep relationship with God. And there's a great warning of this in Matthew chapter 25. This is another passage where Jesus is talking, and I want to just read through this really quick because it highlights the importance of us not just praising God with our words, but living through our actions what he has commanded us to do. 
primarily to remain in his love and to have love for one another. So this is in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 is where I'm starting. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. What a warning this passage gives. God's saying, I don't, I didn't know you, because when I needed you, you weren't there. Well, well when, when did we see you? Didn't you see the people who were around you? Did you do anything for them? The people that I made in my own image, did you help them in their time of need, or did you turn a blind eye? Did you turn away from them? Did you overlook them, passing off the responsibility to someone else? See, we cannot say that we really have a strong connection with God if we do not share what his heart is. And especially in this past year, one of the things I think the church has really failed at when it comes to this passage is a passage about when they were sick and did not visit them. I was sick, and you did not visit me. Over this last year, there have been, been many people who have gotten sick. And as a whole, the church's response has been to shut things down, switch to online church, and make sure people are f as far away from each other as possible. And that's not what the Word of God teaches. The Word of God teaches 
that when they are sick, you visit them. Jesus, when he encountered a man with leprosy, a skin disease, very contagious, Jesus touched the man and healed him. If we are Christians, that means following the example of Jesus Christ, following the teachings of Jesus Christ, who taught to go and be with the sick so that they don't have to be alone. And it's driven out of love, driven from a heart that realizes that if we are in that situation, how desperately we long for someone to come and visit us. That when we are at our lowest point, how desperately we long for someone to pick us up and carry us forward. And if we truly do love God and want to stay connected with Him or maybe reconnect with God, that means that the kind of love that we share with God is the same kind of love that we should show others. If it is on God's heart, it should be on our heart as well. So we have to allow God to do a work in us. We have to remain in Him, seeking out a relationship with God Himself and not being satisfied with just reading His Word, making sure we have that personal connection, and deepening that connection by sharing the love that God has for others and acting in our own lives in that same way. In order to pursue a deeper relationship, with God himself, we must let him do a work in us that leads us to a place of greater love. That is how we reconnect with God, and that is how we follow the commands that he has given to us. So until next time, this has been another Sermon in the Pocket. If you have any questions or comments about anything I've said, feel free to get in contact with me either through our Facebook page or emailing me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. Until next time, thank you for listening, and I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day.